Hi, and welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie and TV Awards podcast where we look at the various things nominated for MTV Movie Awards and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Grigg, a foremost kissing expert. And we're both pretty um, varying degrees of indifferent to experts at TV. I, I mean, I'll say I'm kind of an expert on all the TV that was we're talking about this week for Best Kiss 2018. Oh yeah, no, I think this is the first year since, um, geez, it's been a while. Um, I think since either 2011 or 2008, depending on, I think it was 2011. This is the first week where I have not seen any of the movies. Um, like these are all completely new experiences to me of, of varying, uh, clarity. Wow. You've never seen Ready Player One? I had not. Um, I enjoyed it. Um. But I had never seen it before. Oh, that's that's interesting. Um, yeah, it's kind of like Space Jam without the basketball. Yeah, or Space Jam Two, that is nothing like Space Jam One. Oh yeah, I I have like strong t- take. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it. But Ready Player One is a movie that for a lot a lot of the criticism for it is, oh look at this, it's all just it's all just IP and like. Stuff like that, advertisements for things like, you know, basically the stuff Space Jam 2 got. But I think the difference is Ready Player One at least uses its, like, IP reference drops for, like, fun set-piece stuff. And doesn't just have them sit at a basketball game in the background. Like, it's... Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's it's utilization of the Iron Giant is a lot better. Yeah. Um... (laughs) Like... Get me Iron Giant fighting Mechagodzilla, and then a Gundam is there. Like it's <laughs> all the robots. Oh yeah, yeah. How how are you doing, by the way? Oh, I'm I'm doing yeah, I'm doing all right. Yeah, it's yeah. As we're recording this, it's close to my birthday, so I'm in a festive mood and yeah. No other reason to be festive around yeah. this time. Of course, even though if you're thinking you should wish me a happy birthday, don't you bother, because by the time you hear this, it'll be a few weeks yeah, over. <laughs> but you'll still be in time yeah. for Ben's birthday. Exactly. I, I got, can't wait for the recording on my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and how, and how have you been? I've been good. Um, I watched Little Man again last night. Or I made my friends watch a little man again. Why? It's such a bad. It's. <laughs> I wanted to share the experience. Um, <laughs> it's because they let me pick the movie. Um, so now you don't get to pick the movie anymore. Yeah, probably. Honestly, um, like the last movie I think I picked was the Fat Albert movie. So I don't think they're ever going to let me pick another movie. Uh, my friend actually, like, snapped my Fat Albert DVD in two. Um, <laughs> that movie's not even nearly as bad as, uh, as Little Man. That's really um, <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah, I watched, I watched Endgame at work today because it was so slow. Wow. Um, yeah, and Emperor's New Groove. And I think, like, the first little bit of... Um, 
was it the Atlantis one? Is that one called? Atlantis? Just Is it just called Atlantis? I thought it was like Journey to Atlantis or the Lost City. Atlantis the Lost Empire. That's the one. Yeah, I watched that. Um yeah, I watched like a couple movies in between here. Um I, I'm not gonna lie, you sent me like a Discord message at like four AM last night. And I didn't see it till like this morning at eight. And I hadn't watched anything. <laughs> um <laughs> Oh wow. <laughs> And I, I drafted up this, like, really long thing being like, hey, Kenny, can we, like, postpone it? Like, I'm sorry, I just goofed on it. I thought we were doing it, like, I just, it, it caught up with me without me noticing. And I, and I kind of looked at the clock, and I'm like, it's 8 o'clock. I could probably just watch all these movies and then watch, like, Love, Simon on my lunch break at work. And then that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's the benefit of having, like, three TV shows? Yeah. I mean, barely, though. Like, these, the one, the Stranger Things one was, like, an hour long. Oh, that's Um, true. Yeah, yeah, like, these TV shows are, like, and, like, I guess, um, I I don't know how much I want to get into it when we actually start talking about it, because I don't know how much it's a, it's something that's, like, actually a problem or just inevitability, but, like, not only are, like, TV shows, like, you have less time to tell. Or not, I guess not less time. Every episode has less time to tell a story than a movie does. Um, but, like, at least for the shows that we're watching, they're also, like, juggling, like, like A, Bs, and C plots as well. Which, like, splits up, like, the, uh, the attention time even more. You know? Yeah, they're all, like, fairly serialized. And yeah. I guess if you don't watch a ton of TV, it can be tough to, like, catch up with those rhythms but yeah yeah i mean the riverdale one was pretty neat um uh, like i'm this is, i'm probably gonna contradict myself when i actually like do my list but like i think the riverdale was like i think it was the tv show episode that i think i enjoyed the most um because i had no information on anything um and there were just like things it did that i really liked um because like I feel like the Stranger Things one is probably a better episode if I had like watched all of other, all of Stranger Things, um, and I might even put it higher like when we start talking about it. Yeah. Um, like, but like I think where it stands now, I think the Riverdale one was like, like pretty close to probably like my favorite experience of it just being like an isolated thing to just watch. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, like the Riverdale one is like a season premiere, and the Stranger Things one is like a season finale. Exactly, like one is one get, has that benefit a hundred times over. Um, and the Jane the Virgin one was like it was fun. Yeah, it was campy. I really liked the narrator. The narrator was just funny. Latin love narrator. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, no, he's great. Um, yeah, it's funny because having now watched through all of the best kiss stuff because. Again, with TV, it's, like, easy to just bang that out in, like, a couple days where you're like, oh, yeah, I'll watch this and this now. It's funny that a lot of the stuff we are looking at is either, like, fun, yeah, is, is like, finales or, like, kind of midpoints in yeah. seasons. Like, that's, I've noticed that, too, is that, like, we're not, we're not getting, like, I know they're all serialized, but, like, there's still, even in, like, serialized shows, there are still probably episodes that you can just watch in a vacuum. That are, like, incredibly fun. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll say, like, yeah. all these shows, shows like, are shows I enjoy to some, some degree. Um, Yeah, R- Riverdale I enjoy on, like, any occasion, and then, you know, we'll, we'll get to it, but I found that the, eventually, uh, 
for Outer Banks, I actually did because that one was like, oh, it's episode four. So I watched the first three episodes too and got that co- context and then co- context for that. But like the Never Have I Ever, which is a show I had watched before, I was shocked. I'm like, oh, this episode works, I think, pretty well like, giving you a sense of what the show is. But Oh, nice. That's good to yeah, hear. But, but that's a couple weeks away. Uh, for now, you can probably get into uh, 2018 at the MTV Movie and TV Awards. Um <laughs> Still having to get used to saying TV, but eventually we'll be able to get back to just saying movies again. Yeah, exactly. By the time we get used to it, we'll be back to movies and we'll probably mess it up the other direction. Yeah. Um, so yeah, these were held on June 16th, 2018, um, and then broadcast June 18th. Tiffany Haddish was the host, um, just kind of taking off there in her own own career it's it's kind of funny that she hosted like this this year i mean like it it makes sense but i'm thinking because i think in 2021 the host of the mtv movie and tv awards was leslie jones who feels more like the person who would be hosting in 2018 and not tiffany haddish like Mm -hmm. feels like they should be switched maybe (laughs) but yeah uh black panther (laughs) won best movie bracket presented by toyota close bracket (laughs) Stranger Things won Best Show, which is a little surprising because the second season of Stranger Things is universally considered to be the weakest one. But hey. yeah, I guess yeah, I guess I don't know what what season of um of Game of Thrones was it up against? Um, um in twenty eighteen, one of the bad yeah. ones, probably. That, yeah, yeah, because it's it's that Thirteen Reasons Why, um, Riverdale. Yeah, which thirteen like, reasons yeah. why season was it? <laughs> no, yeah, that's a that's also because if it's super like season effect. one, I get it. Season two hundred, yeah. it had to have been season one. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Second season released May eighteenth, twenty eighteen. So it couldn't have been eligible. But yeah, yeah. Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, and then uh, Grownish as well. Yeah, little spin-off of Blackish, which I I want I'm like, oh, I did not realize that was that old a show. Okay, yeah, so it was like season seven of Game of Thrones. Which we, Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's kinda getting near the end. Yeah, people don't hate that one as much as like season eight, but it is it is one where by this time, I think the conversation's kind of turning against it a bit. Um, yeah, exactly. You can only be so subversive for when subversive just becomes the new normal. Yeah, and, uh, and at this point, like, you know, they're kind of outpacing the books, and it's getting to stuff people haven't had a... Book readers haven't had a lot of time to grapple with, so they're like, oh, this is the direction they're going with it? Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, Black Panther freaking sweeped this this uh this like movie half of this awards uh show. Yeah, seven nominations. Um, um yeah, it was it three four four wins. They did a great job. Yeah, that makes sense. And then Stranger Things yeah. got seven television nominations. Yeah, and Riverdale got four. Yeah, everything looks pretty standard with this. So. I think without further ado, can get on to the nominees. So, for Best Kiss 2018, the nominees are 
Gina Rodriguez and Justin Baldoni, Jane the Virgin, Olivia Cook and Ty Sheridan, Ready Player One, KJ Appa and, K- and Kamala Mendez, Riverdale, Finn Wolfhard and Millie Bobby Brown, Stranger Things, and the winner, Nick Robinson and Keenan Lonsdale, Love, Simon. So, yeah. Did you love Simon? <laughs> I did. I I uh, I liked uh, comma Simon. Um, it's it's that classic um, will gay won't gay uh, story. I I thought it was pretty charming. Um, I'm really glad because I run into this like I run into this sort of um, personal crisis where like I enjoy 99 percent of the stuff that I that I watch. And I wonder if like. If I'm just Im- impossible to disappoint, um, and then we watch the spectacular now, so now I have like a reference point for like, okay, this is how I feel when I don't like a movie. <laughs> um, and Love Simon is very far off from that. Um, it's just like a cute little love story. Um, I I feel like I remember it was in some controversy. Um, without even like doing any research, I assume it's sort of. Am I right in assuming that it's sort of like that, that sort of, it's a similar complaint to like that, why does every movie about black people have to be about slaves? And it's like, why does every love story about a gay person have to be about them being gay? Is that probably, is that about where it was? I mean, I don't remember much of a controversy. I think, you might be thinking something with like a a spinoff one. Uh, Yeah, I can say the critique, critique of the movie, which... Uh, I enjoy this film, but I think kind of stands is like it's it's pretty generic. Like obviously it's yeah it's groundbreaking in that it is like kind of yeah it's a queer romantic comedy with like where you know there's like the love story component and I think there is like more going on and then it is something where they're like oh well. Okay, but it's just kind of like a me me okra romantic comedy, and then the fence is like, well, yeah, but you know, it's not it's not like the LGBTQ plus community has a lot of like you know generic romantic comedies to go around. So yeah, yeah, I, I think um, yeah, that's something that I've always like thought about, and like that's like w- with like with increased representation comes like increased like you're gonna get some mediocre projects every once in a while. Um, yeah, I think my my biggest I really enjoyed this movie, but I think my biggest critique um and it's like it's a half critique and it's a half I kind of like this about this movie. I kind of liked that he like um he would like sort of have this like fantasy about like which boy it was. Um but I feel like what you gain in that you sort of lose in that like um uh is is it it's a uh, uh, Keenan Longsdale um like doesn't super get to be like a developed character because it's like a twist yeah or it's like a fake out and like it's and like yeah i feel like i wonder i feel like you probably would have gained more from like not having it be like a twist or like a ooh, who is it really a mystery thing um for for as long as it did like i was shocked that he didn't know when there was like 10 minutes left um and it's like, and it's and the Ferris wheel scene is really cute. There's like a scene near the end where like he's, or I guess to give a little backstory to this movie, it's sort of about 
um, Nick Robinson's character, Simon, who's like a, a closeted gay person. And then someone makes like an anonymous post on like a generic message board and he emails them and then they start just communicating back and forth because they're both like closeted gay people. Um, and then like the sort of the one of the big finales of the movie is him sending out an email being like, hey, like, um, like, I'm going to be on the Ferris wheel. Come see me, I guess. Yeah. And then, yeah, but. That's the thing, and I think something that makes the kiss good, you know, we'll get to is it is something the film does build up to. Um, and, like, it builds up to that moment at the end, and the kiss is there. Though it's funny, because if you had not seen the movie, and you watch the MTV movie and TV awards, it definitely gives away what the ending of the movie is. Like, yeah, exactly. I, I knew, because um, sometimes I, I, I like to like keep myself rather blind on that as I can be. And it helps that I don't know any actors um, like by like by what they look like. Um, yeah. So I definitely like, didn't want to like, I didn't want to check even if I feel like I was missing something uh, plot wise. Um, but like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like they had so much. And, and the problem is, is that they had so much time in this movie and that's like evident of like the Martin character. Like <laughs> Oh god. There's there's so much time for Martin, but there's like no time for Bram. Yeah. And like <laughs> we need to get Martin is... <laughs> we, need, we need another Martin scene. <laughs> it's, yeah. But like all in all, it's like we've we've covered like we've covered things that are like more generic and like do a worse job easily um yeah look it's a good movie it has a has a good good cast um yeah Catherine langford who who's like was also kind of taking off from 13 reasons why is like i think really good in this as his friend who's in love with him and then kind of gets a upset of how he's just sort of like kind of brushes her off without even realizing it and um Jen- yeah. Jennifer Garner's like really good in this like we've covered a bunch of Jennifer Garner movies here and most of them are bad but she's good in this like this is a good one and she's good in it like it's yeah no, I'm really yeah no I-, I think everyone did a pretty pretty good job yeah Tony oh. Hale is funny as like the vice principal guy who's just yeah <laughs> I really liked him like, oh, and this movie is, like, it's so good. And, like, I don't even, like, I don't even necessarily hate the Martin stuff. Like, I think there's something interesting there. It just feels like they put so much time into it. And then it's just, it, he's, like, I guess he's, like, a useful, like, plot tool. Yeah. Um, and, like, a regular tool. Yeah, um, I agree that, like, it definitely feels like you could probably use with less of that. And it's just there because they needed stuff to be like complicated and had like i feel you could have him like maybe come into conflict with the friends without the contrived thing of he's so desperate to protect his secret that he starts helping this dude martin and yeah exactly like um yeah like it's gonna sound really weird because i'm probably gonna have like the most critiques about this movie but like i probably enjoyed this one like more than like more than like a lot of the stuff on this list um like, but like, I probably, I just have more to say, honestly. Um, 
but like the one yeah the one thing like the friend breakup scene like i don't know about you but like to me that just like felt that felt like really like i don't know unearned i i've i've been i guess i've been spoiled by like the perks of being a wallflower like friend breakup because like that one feels like really that one feels really good um because like what he did was like actually so awful whereas like what like simon did it's like it's like i don't know i couldn't imagine being friends with somebody for years and like that caught that would like they would be so mad at me because of that like yeah maybe like i mean the alexandra ship character has not known him that long that's like part of it yeah that that one makes sense like well, yeah, like the other two are supposed to be his good friends, and then they get mad at him so easily and are willing. Yeah, to just it's it just it yeah, it just seems so easily. And like I, I get like they're like high school kids, so like maybe they're just kind of like a little stupid, um, like overreacting about things. Yeah, and like also the timing of it is isn't it right after Martin outs him? <laughs> which is just... yeah, I think I think it's like literally like yeah, and it's like I don't know, I feel like. It's maybe something you could, like, intellectually disagree with, you know? Like, oh, maybe, like, don't manipulate your friends because you're being blackmailed. But, like, it's not something you get angry about somebody over. I don't know. I mean, um, I, you'd be a little but they, angry, but not, like, yeah. as angry as they, like, portray, I think. Yeah, that, I, that's, I think, my problem. I think if it was more like a, like, a, hey, Simon, like, we love you, but, like, you betrayed our trust and like because that that's that scene would have probably hurt a lot more i think that a scene like that would be like way worse than like them like shouting at each other yeah um, oh well i also yeah i got her being like upset that he was aiding this guy that she clearly wasn't interested in for like his own self-interest but also, I'll say, something I like about the Martin stuff, too, is, you know, obviously he has the moment where she realizes, oh, maybe I shouldn't have outed Simon, but they never really redeem him. His last thing is just a joke where, like, he runs up to the Ferris wheel because he doesn't want to see Simon. Just a little, it's like, it's me! And Simon's like, nope, nope, get out of here. <laughs> like, no, just... He's like, yeah. what are you doing? It's not you, come on. Just... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, no, like, yeah, I get, yeah. Um, also, it is, like, I think true to teenagers that the reason he outs them is just because he's trying to get attention off himself. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's not, he's just doing it because, like, he made a really big, like, I, I feel like, yeah, as, it's one of those things, I feel like they're, like, their friend breakup, the reasoning doesn't feel contrived, but, like, the emotions do. Um, but everything else, I feel like, flows pretty naturally in this movie. Yeah. Um, I never feel like a character is, like, being, like, completely out of whack. Like, yeah. they I all think seem the stuff to be... with his dad is low-key really strong. Like... Yeah, yeah, I really like the stuff with his dad, because he's, he's just making all those jokes, and, like... Yeah, and... Yeah, yeah for, like, people who haven't seen his dad just make kind of the typical parent, oh, yeah, so when's your girlfriend coming, like, jokes, and... Stuff like that. Oh, you're going to get someone pregnant, and then, and then even when he like out outs him, like he's yeah, kind of making jokes, and then he has this like nice scene where he even said he feels terrible like about what he was do- doing. He's like, oh, I just feel bad that you could they didn't think you could come to me with this, and like it's like really nice. Like it's yeah, no, exactly, and like yeah, this this movie could have so easily like played the sort of like uh 
like light trauma angle but i feel like it didn't and i feel like that's what makes it kind of like a very sweet you know like a little rom-com yeah no it is a nice little rom-com and it has a pretty great kiss um it does have a really good top of the ferris wheel kiss like yeah. i don't have we had a ferris wheel kiss before i know the notebook had a ferris wheel but its kiss was separate from that yeah the notebook ferris wheel was about i'm gonna put myself in danger so you like oh <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. how far how far we've come <laughs> so as we set up like the whole thing had culminates with him going meet me at the ferris wheel and it's the sequence where like the whole school kind of gathers because they've read it on this tumblr type thing where people post like their anonymous confessions and then there's a vague subplot where him going public and signing it has inspired other people to come come out about theirs where i i don't know what they thought that was paying off but like didn't need to be in there but anyways but the whole school kind of gathers and they're waiting for him to show up and he's just going around and he's running out of stuff and Oh yeah, I guess Martin does like pay for him to like go on like his last yeah, little ride when he's about to run out of like money. So he gets like a small redemption. Yeah, but like, they, again, they still don't like redeem the actual like no 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 shitty he's not, thing of outing yeah. somebody. Which yeah, he's he's not like in like the friend group in the end. Like he's not like oh buddy buddy. Like, he's still yeah. He still it still feels pretty appropriate. Yeah, it's like a small zephyr. because again, I feel the. The film gets, I think, as much as you can, but, like, outing somebody is really awful. Um, just, like, truly just heinous, but mm -hmm. yeah. I, I'm saying this so casually, but, but then on the last kind of second, uh, at that point when it looks like, oh, no one's coming, he's going to go on up on that last time alone, uh, that's when Keenan Lonsdale runs up, and, oh yeah, we didn't really get into the letter letters much at all, but the letters are pretty much how you build out who this character is and his own kind of fears and how he wants to sort of just say say for him himself. But Keenan Lawsdale shows up and initially they had ruled him out early on because he was like making out with someone at a party. But I guess that was a misunderstanding. And with with. Yeah. You know, it's a good way because otherwise I think it'd be obvious. You go, oh yeah, well that's clearly him. He's like a name, but. <laughs> yeah so they go yeah. up there and they talk and they have good chemistry and then yeah they have a really lovely kiss like it's yeah it's it's a nice little like it's i think it's yeah yeah it's just sweet it's very very sweet not yeah. uh yeah not like uh like anything's like too insane over the top you know um mm -hmm. yeah it, it didn't take place in a in a the Anne frank house just your by the books, like good romantic comedy kiss. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, pretty solid rom com. Rom com. Uh, we're definitely at the point now where I think the rom coms we cover are of the teen variety because that's where they mostly star now. But you know, yeah, not not a um, not like a journalist pretending to be a teen as we've covered in the past. Yeah, but, this, but both this one and next year's kind of big teen rom-com um, to All the Boys I've Loved Before, I think are both, like, really good and just charming and fun. And, yeah. Uh, do you have anything yeah. else to say about Love, Simon? No, I, I didn't know what to think going into it, and I, I really enjoyed it.
Yeah, you're like, oh, I do yeah. like Simon. Um... <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And I mean that, comma. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. So with that, we can move on to uh, Jane the Virgin. A show yeah. that was easy to follow in an episode from the middle of its fourth season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, from what I gather, this seems to just be, like, it, it's, um, what's, uh, what's the name of what it's parodying? It's, it's like, a. Wait, why am I letting you set this up? I'm the one who's seen every episode of the show. Um, oh, yeah, I, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I just realized. I'm like, oh, wait. Actually, wait, no, you gave me your impression. Yeah, it's parodying telenovela. Yeah. Um, That's, yeah, telenovela. Um, yeah, like, from my perception, it seems to be... Um, I don't know if any of the... Because this episode, like... Like... I wonder if Empire had this as well. I don't think so. But like this episode had flashbacks. I'm not sure if those flashbacks are like in any other episodes or whether they just like are made up for just this episode. Yeah, they're the, apparently from. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh no the flash the flashbacks are like a un, unique thing. I think the moments they the mo, the moments they're going going to or showing are. I think one of them has been kind of depicted before, but then this one shows a bit more to that scene. Oh, like, okay, but these but these are callbacks to events that have that we know about. Like these aren't new information, is it? Or like new concepts aren't being um, yeah. in like made up. Like this is more more con context to stuff we already knew about. Kind of, yeah. Every episode of Jane the Virgin has like flashbacks. Um, some sometimes they're like plot relevant or sometimes it's just kind of illustrating sort of just thematic stuff like it's not always here's more context information they had but yeah by this point by four seasons in much of the audience kind of knows the character pretty well so it is kind of looking where i believe yeah most of the flashbacks are yeah on like kind of the moments when he pushed her to pursue her writing passions Um, yeah yeah so like this episode um had like a, a a b and like a light c and d plot um the main plot was um jane like going on her like a book signing tour um but just being really emotional about um a, assuming a breakup between um her and justin's character okay um, oh yeah maybe now is where i give uh, the information for kind of the show since i have it in yeah so jane the virgin yeah aired on the cw for five five an impressive five seasons for what the show is and a hundred episodes um it is about i mean by by this point in the run she's not a virgin anymore which is why they kind of crossed the word out to give i think road tripper is the subtitle for this one oh yeah but the yeah that was cute yeah but jane is this yeah young is this young girl who she works at the she works at this hotel and the inciting incident of the the show is she act is she goes for a pap smear and the gu- and the gynecologist who is actually the sister of the Raphael character or like the half sister of the Raphael character who has just who like the gynecologist, her gynecologist is distracted from like a, a breakup and accidentally artificially inseminates her. Um, 
<laughs> okay, that makes sense. Because she had a pap smear, smear, smear scheduled and an artificial insemination scheduled. And kind of gets them mixed up. mixed up. mixed up. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so then so then Jane... And Jane is engaged to this guy, Michael, who they kind of talk to in this episode. Oh, yeah. The flashback stuff of she's going to see Michael's mother, I don't believe has been established before. But... And... And the father of the baby, like Raphael, is kind of the rich sort of playboy kind of son of the hotel, son of the owner of the hotel that she works works at, and he's and he's kind of coming to take over like responsibilities, and um, yeah, it's it is an adaption of a like Spanish soap opera, like a telenovela of the same name, and has like a, a premise, and it is a show that is kind of leaning into, okay, it's a soap opera, we're going to do the soap opera stuff, but its advantage is it it does all the silly twists, but also, like, focuses on the emotions and the people and the characters. So it's like, oh, she meets her long-lost father, and it kind of looks at the fa- things of what it's like to have him in his life after all this time, and her father is a, so- is a telenovela star himself, and kind of just a... I mean, you've seen Rahelio, just kind of like the broadest kind of, the most comic reliefy mm-hmm. character. There's like generation yeah. stuff of her grandparents and then, yeah. And then the love triangle between her, Michael, and Raphael is something that goes for the t- two seasons. And the show does did like a really good job where like, both, it's not like a Twilight situation. Like both men were kind of like, had their had their passionate fans and you could make a case for why both of them are, like, a good choice for Jane. And then Jane winds up picking Michael, her her kind of fir- first love, but due to one of the many intersections with kind of various crime subplots kind of go- going in, Michael is shot by Ra- Raphael's uh, ex-stepmother, who's this master criminal... And he, he's shot, and he seems to survive, but he later suffers kind of an aortic dissection and kind of passes away, which was, I think, a breaking point for at least some peop- people on the show. But but that kind of happens in the middle of the third season, and then the show jumps ahead about three years. So kind oh, of all that stuff, makes sense. Yeah, so, so all the stuff we're dealing with, with, like, my... Michael, this is like old feelings, which again was just like a season ago to the viewers, but you know it's much longer to the characters. And then Michael eventually okay. comes back in the last season for both the classic soap opera twist of surprise, the dead character wasn't dead, and the double soap <laughs> opera twist of surprise, he has amnesia. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, like yeah, this show is super charming. Um, I like all the text. I like the narrator. There's like a scene where there's like two like twins or like two sisters and like one's wearing a wig. So like they look like pretty, they look like the same. So like you just like, yeah. And then so the narrator is like, oh, let's put name tags on them. So like, like they like edit name tags on both of them (laughs) for like the rest of the scene. Yeah, and I think that that's really cute. I like stuff like that. Yeah, they do a lot of stuff like that where there's like visual references. Yeah, the twins are a whole other thing where Petra was Raphael's wife at the time, and 
She kind of had had her own ties ties in with her like sin, with her sinister mother who go who at this point has like I feel she didn't have an eye patch in the beginning and she was in a wheelchair but it was fake but later she's in a wheelchair for real. It's they do a lot of stuff with like Pe Petra's backstory but Petra's initially kind of a villainous character and then in befriending Jane Jane a bit she softens and then it's able to have her own children with oh yeah because the idea was they don't get into it but part of Raphael's backstory is he had cancer and he had frozen these like samples as because as part of his treatment he was gonna be infertile and she eventually has her own kids because she steals the other sample from Raphael like that Raphael had and kind of has the these twins around and that kind of bring brings out a side of her and at this point, like, yeah, she's more of a, a bit more of a heroic character, but yeah, she still has, like, an evil twin who is, and it's funny, because, like, I have seen every episode of the show, and, like, I know all the stuff that's going on, but, like, there definitely is, all that's, all, all the, like, plot, plotting nonsense, I'm like, oh, right, there's just a lot of, like, random stuff that, like, you're not necessarily going, it's not necessarily going to make sense, but you can still go, oh, that's fun. There's like two of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think this one, I think, does the best job of like cluing me in on like what's happening. And like, I felt like I understood character dynamics like almost immediately. Like, I didn't feel like there was like much. Like, I, I pretty much, I kind of got it. Um, clearly not everything, because what you just explained to me was insane. Um, but I absolutely adore it. Um, oh yeah, you'd, yeah no. you'd like this show, I think. Like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this and the, yeah, this episode sort of yeah just followed Jane on the book tour, and then it also followed like the two the two twins like duking. It's just like doing something. It barely took up much of the episode, but it yeah, did have like a. F oh, sorry, go on. Oh 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 no, oh no. Yeah, the twins. I'm trying to remember. All oh, right, because one of them has faked her death. That's like a thing. Yeah, and then the movie, other than the movie, the the episode ends with like one of the one of them is actually dead now, because uh, like one of the twins throws the other one off the roof, and I'm not sure. It's it seems like it's the the non blonde one, um, but who knows with this show? Apparently, yeah, um, I, I feel they both still managed to survive survive that. Or yeah. Or it was like a ploy to like trick their mother. It's yeah, yeah. Again, there's a lot of twists and turns with the show, and the crime element isn't always as strong as like the, the other stuff. Yeah, this one also has a nice subplot where her dad is like trying to take care of her, like of his of of Jane's son. That's like really nice, and and yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's really cute. And it's sort of the episode sort of ends like with this big kiss this sort of like uh like the windows fly open i think there's birds like this just very classic over the top kiss yeah like jane and Raphael have been co-parenting for like a while and i forget there was some reason why they weren't weren't romantically involved i mean well obviously a lot of it was she was still like grieving but then there, there's always some stuff that comes between them before they do ultimately get get together for good but yeah it is this nice thing where they have this nice bonding moment over like how how he supported her during during all this and yeah they have a nice moment and then 
And then the next couple episodes are interesting because they kind of explore the idea of, okay, what what does this mean that they're, like, co-parenting this kid? And now if he sees them together, like, is that going to give him, like, unreasonable expectations because of all the history there? Or... So, like, it is a show that I think is always smart about that, even though it does like to go for the big moments like this kiss. Um, yeah, no, I think it's, like, it's a really good blend, I feel. It has, like, enough sort of, like, over-the-top, really goofy stuff. But it has its, like, little sincere moments. Um, yeah. 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 It's also a show that, like, well, it had a fan base, but it was never the most popular show, so it's nice to see it get a little MTV nod here. Um, yeah. No, I'm really glad I was introduced to this show. Yeah. Do we got anything more to say about, yeah, Jane the Virgin? No, um, like go give it. I implore everyone out there to go give it a watch. It's super yeah. fun. Yeah, it's on. It's on Netflix. Yeah, so go quick, quick, quick on that. Um, just a hundred episodes. And with yeah, and with that, yeah, can... crank crank that through in a weekend. <laughs> yeah, it. I'll say yeah, it's very bingeable. Even though it aired like week after week, <laughs> it's like cliffhangers and everything. <laughs> yeah, like get immediate payoff. Like yeah. you can't you can't ask for something better than that. Oh yeah, the last the last thing I'll bring up is the is the book she's kind of written, which in world is essentially like an adaption of the first couple seasons of the show, except Michael doesn't get shot at the end or whatever. Is a real physical book that I own. It's yeah. Yeah, it's called Falling Snow, and... Oh, neat. That's really cool. Yeah. But with that, we can move on to Ready Player One. So, the 80s. Pretty awesome, huh? Yeah. Apparently, everyone who uses the internet in 2040 only knows pop culture references from the 80s and Tracer. Um, Those are the only... Like... I like this movie. I think this movie is super campy and super fun. Um, I even like the T.J. Miller character. I think he's really. I think he's really funny. Yeah, um, the T.J. Miller character is a really good concept. He's, he's a he's a hoot. Um, yeah. And like, I wish they used him more because, like, I feel like a problem with this movie is that like it needed more like it needed more like cat and mouse antagonistic chasing in the actual game it felt like all of that almost all of that happened like in the real world where it's way less interesting um <laughs> like i feel like that's where like most of the chasing and all that stuff happened but like this movie's super campy and super fun um it's it's weird like i feel like this and love simon are kind of it's probably the it's probably the two things that i enjoyed like a lot but i have like the most criticisms because i feel like they got me it's also the two movies so like i feel like i i feel like i have way more ground to stand on because i've i have all the 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 context for it i guess um like it's way easier for me to kind of because the I feel like if I were to say something like, oh, I wish Stranger Things did this, like, it probably already did or is going to do. Um, but yeah, like, Ready Player One is just like a fun, campy movie. It's a little stupid if you think about it for too long, but I don't think that's what it's meant for. Yeah. Look, yeah, I'll say some people hate Ready Player One. It's, uh, I don't I mean, the book, I've never read the book it's based on, but I have seen passages and the book just looks bad. Like, it's... It's just random, like him going, oh, I was driving in my car, and it was the DeLorean, and it had this cool thing, <laughs> another 80s thing, and yeah. just all the stuff that looks fun as a visual, but if you actually have to put it yeah. into text, where it's like, oh, 
and then, and then like, I, and then and like then Chucky met, doll ran around. <laughs> and then I met Tony the Tiger from the Tony Tiger Serial TM. Like yeah, yeah. It's, it's all stuff that just feels super lame on paper, but like is is like very fun. Like in in actual practice, like the Shining scene is really good. Like I really enjoyed that. I wish I wish there was like two or three more of those. Um yeah. or I guess maybe just one other one of those cuz I felt that was super interesting. And like yeah, I think my my one big my one big critique of this movie that I think like that doesn't get that doesn't get swept away in sort of the the tsunami of it just being pretty fun and campy is that like the online realm is just kind of ugly looking for some reason, and I don't know why. I think it's, it feels really washed out. Um, it might just be that's just what the 3D models looked like. But, like, it just, like, all the colors felt like they had, like, a blue tint on them. Like, I don't know. I feel like it could have... Nothing really... Nothing pops. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Is Like, nothing... Even, like, that big fight scene at the end is, like, a really good example of, like... It all just kind of looks like a gray, bluish mess sometimes. Yeah, it really is like that kind of modern blockbuster problem that you see with like the yeah, Marvels and stuff. Exactly. Like, just it's like the same thing I think happened for me at the end of um of Shang Chi, um, because like Shang Chi, I really liked it. Um, like the I think we were I think I'm repeating myself. I think I've already said this in a previous episode, but like didn't like Shang-Chi, enough to know it's Shang Chi. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh because yeah because his, his name's sean <laughs> yeah sean yeah uh, sean chi just huh sean. <laughs> yeah like that movie's like fighting and choreography is really really good up until like the final battle where it just turns into like a big cgi mess with like really boring designs except for the dragon's kind of cool but like I would, t- I'll take the fight scene in the bus with like the knife man any day over like the sort of CGI mess at the end. And I feel like this movie runs into that problem, unfortunately. Um, yeah, the action in Shang Chi like peaks early. This one, I'll say, I think just as the action is so, I think so engaging, I don't mind uh, mind as much. And really, the real like climate Max is yeah, like him actually playing the game. But yeah, it is something where. At a point, you're like, okay, this is just kind of like a bunch of goop, like running. Yeah, I, I, but like, yeah, and like, there's neat stuff in that goop. I like that there's like 20 different Master Chiefs. I think that's like neat. I really like that. Um, uh, this movie, there was at least in one scene, um, there was a furry, which like there should have been 50 million more if this is like the actual internet, um. Like, look, any time Ready Player One in real life has been implemented, like, if you look at places like Second Life, um, if you're going to look at what Metaverse is going to turn into, it's always all furries. That's what it all turns into. <laughs> um, but I'm glad there was one in this movie. I think it actually was just the T.J. Miller character in Disguise. I really couldn't decipher it. Um, yeah, and that would be... Yeah, I think yeah, this movie runs into like a couple problems where like it yeah, it definitely feels like oh the eighties, man. Like do you love the eighties? Yeah, I mean uh, Iron Giants from the nineties. But yeah, a a big critique of this film is oh it's it's just an empty nostalgia thing of oh look look at all the IPs saving the day, which I would say that it is a film that yeah, it it's kind of doing that, but 
it's also very much in the whole thing with the create the Mark Rylance like James Holiday character um is kind of critiquing the idea that like basically the people who defend this film kind of see it as Steven Spielberg just sort of reckoning with his own role into like introducing the blockbuster and what pop culture is turned into where like as much as yeah it's a bunch of references the main plot is like this guy trying to pick apart an old man's regrets about what his life became. And... Yeah, that stuff is always super interesting. I really like all that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's funny because the guy who plays Holiday, Mark Rylance, he is in Don't Look Up, the recent Netflix film from Adam McKay. And I've heard some people going, oh, he's just doing the same performance? Because in... And don't look up, he's playing, like, an evil tech billionaire. And I'm like, having just watched Ready Player One, it is not the same performance, because Ready Player <laughs> One, his performance is all about his regrets. Like, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, all the stuff he didn't do. And, like, that's super interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, the, I feel like, because I, I, I think I agree with you. And that I, I think I've had the same experience, but I feel like the book is pretty bad. And I feel like trying to turn that into like a movie, you run into like a lot of problems. Um, and like, I think all you really can do, because you can't really change a lot of like the plot. Um, you can't like modernize like the plot to make it make a little more sense and not be so like 80s and 90s. And like, there is like a quasi in universe explanation that like the guy who made this game is like a big like nostalgia nerd um and then Uh, like our main character is like a nerd of that nerd yeah my understanding is the film also does handles it a bit better than like what the book does like i think the whole shining uh, sequence was an invention for the film oh if it was that was parts of the movie yeah that's top notch like that's really good um yeah yeah no like this movie Oh, what else? I would have anything written down. I'll, I'll I'll give another critique, which is one thing I know about the book is in the book the lead characters are less attractive than they are in the film, which you know it's like a movie. We get it, but part of the whole thing with sort of the Olivia Cook character Artemis is she's like, you wouldn't like me if like you met met me in person. You know, it's I'm like not I'm not perfect. I have like this flaw, and they set it up that like. She's going to, like, be really, like, unattractive or something, and, um, and apparently, like, in, in the book, book beyond, like, kind of just, you know, physically not looking like Olivia Cook, she also has this big port glass wine stain across, like, her entire face, and in the movie, it's, like, may, it's a very small, like, it's, oh, goes over one of her eyes, kind of, like, it looks kind of like yeah. paint. Yeah, it's like it's like the most safe like it's like it's like when it's like in that it's like in the You Belong With Me music video when like Taylor Swift like puts on glasses and like oh no she's immediately become the most unattractive person on the planet. Like it, it really is like uh that that aspect is like kind of lame, but it's also like it's like a Hollywood movie like what what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can cut cut out the parts where like they make it seem like she's going to be hideous when she's like objectively yeah. not like yeah you could you could just play up like the you could always just play up like the we sh- you shouldn't know who we are in real life because it's dangerous and that would have been like plenty um yeah. 
Or you can yeah. give her a real, like, yeah, like a real yeah. glass wine stain, though. <laughs> and she'd still look like Olivia Cook. It would still be very cute. Um, yeah. You could also have, like, you could also go the other direction and, like, maybe give her barely a scar at all. And you could have, like, a funny interaction where all the, all the other characters are like, what are you talking about? Like, you're yeah. ridiculous. Like, you could have played it the other direction as well. I feel like the kind of middle road this movie goes for just leaves leaves both parties a little unsatisfied. Yeah. Also, another critique I have, and maybe this is one where like I've brought it up, and people go, "I mean, I don't think it's that big a deal." But towards the end, um, because if you've never seen Ready Player One, yeah, it's that kind of in the future where the world is, or the real world is kind of, um, you know, global warming and such is taking its toll like stuff stuff's a little crap sack um and everyone spends a lot of their days in the cyberspace realm the old the oasis which was created by this guy james holiday who yeah kind of basically if willy wonka was a video game guy is like his <laughs> deal yeah kind of yeah and he has passed away years ago but he but he left it in his will that if you could solve these like puzzles and find his Easter eggs, you would like inherit his empire. And and the the protagonist like Wade is, yeah. He and his friends are like basically trying to uh, trying to do this. But there's also this evil corporation, uh, yeah, kind of IOI who is trying to get there first so they can charge people and have premium levels and all this stuff. And they're, yeah. And they're, they're led by this guy, Nolan. So basically the film is them kind of racing up against it. And at one, you know, IOI does a lot of things. At one point, the female lead gets captured because her family had debt and basically they use their debt to take people into indentured slavery to get them to like, yeah, try get them to try to solve these puzzles and get the stuff so she's forced to do that and the climax involves a lot of like trying to break her out and get away but ultimately it goes to a thing where as wade is completing the final challenge in the game world and interacting with this avatar of holiday who is kind of a digital ghost they they never really explain what his deal is other than okay he's not a program but I think he's, I feel like I watched a video about the second book where like, I think he's like an AI with like all of the memories or something. It's, it's, it's left ambiguous for like a reason. I feel like the actual explanation is so much less satisfying. Yeah. It, it's rare to imagine, but but while they, but while they're doing that in the real world, he's in a van and they're driving around and they're being like pursued and it builds to the point where this guy Nolan is kind of he's about to confront he's he's going to like confront and kill them and t- take whatever and as he's going there uh they wind up in this community that he had bombed earlier in an attempt to kill Wade and he kills some people and people come up to him and they're like we know what you did and there's a big mob of 50 people and then he pulls out a gun and raises it in the air and everyone immediately backs off. <laughs> My critique Dude, is yeah. there's 50 people. Even Dude, if he yeah. shoots one of them. Like, <laughs> to be fair, gun. to be fair, would you be the first guy? 
I mean, yeah. if I was one of the people who was behind him, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, yeah. It really feels like it should. He should not have been able to in incapacitate the yeah. crowd with one little gun. Like, yeah. Also, like, what is your interpretation? Because he sees like his hand glowing. He has an egg glow on his hands, and that's why he like freezes up and doesn't shoot him. Like, do you do you think he's having like a change of heart, or do you think he's just mesmerized? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I think it's just he's able to acknowledge when he's beaten. I because I yeah. guess it's just it's so weird from the guy that just not like a day ago like bombed an entire like building um without a flea and flinch didn't even didn't even make sure the kid was actually there but yeah it is like an anticlimactic thing and then like he immediately just gets taken in by like the cops yeah exactly um yeah but like with all my critiques this movie does like a lot of cool things um spielberg the master Yeah. yeah Uh, the the visual of like when the goons are being like killed in like the big fight and like they'll die in like their correct position in like the chairs they're sitting in even though that doesn't make like probably doesn't make like spatial sense that they'd all be in the perfect sequence but it looks so cool like when like a big like when like an iron giant like steps on like a big area of them the entire, like, in the real world, all of their seats will, like, deactivate at the same time in, like, the shape of, like, the Iron Giant boot. Um, that is, like, visually very cool. Um, yeah. Like, that, uh, that's my one nice thing. Now, here's five horrible things. Um. (laughs) A bomb Uh, that kills everyone on the planet, and then they just do the Scott Pilgrim joke where he has an extra life coin? They do it worse than the scott pilgrim joke because in the scott pilgrim movie you see that he gets an extra life and there's no ambiguity about it and it's your fault that you forgot that that like if you get tricked by that like fake out death in scott pilgrim in this one there's like no indication it's just a coin he was given by the butler who's also the um so it's like the friend of the um of like the the architect guy what's what's his name you just said it like a while ago holiday yeah yeah holiday yeah his friend uh, his friend ogden morrow who yeah the the whole backstory is kind of basically about their friendship and how they betray and initially you think his like biggest regret is that like he never got the girl who became ogden's kind of wife because like he never took his chance but then, like, the twist, and what I think is, like, well done, is it's more he regrets that he, like, threw his friendship away over, like, his pursuit of, like, business. Like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, like, I can't, I can't stress enough how the Extra Life one is, not only is it ripping off Scott Pilgrim, it's, like, ten magnitudes stupider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll say the visual of the bomb going off is cool, it's, especially because the yeah. T.J. Miller character, who's like, "Wait, you were serious about this?" Because yeah, that's the best thing. Too. The villain's just like a businessman who's like, "Who cares about this nerd shit?" And T.J. Miller's like his lead enforcer, who's very just very invested. It's like, "No, I don't want to lose all my shit. Don't kill." <laughs> yeah, and he has like a very cool, like he has like a skull torso, like very cool, like. 
I don't know if it's from anything or it's like an original design for this movie, but it looks really cool. Yeah, because in the game, if your character in the game dies, you lose all your loot. And because people spend their lives in there, it does have like stakes if you lose, unless you're just kind of mindless indentured servants of a big corporation who are like replaceable. Yeah, exactly. And that, I, I, this movie is super neat. I and probably things it takes from the book as poorly as I feel like the book is written from from our, uh, from our external resources. It's got some like neat ideas. Have you read um, the book? No, not even close. Okay. I don't like reading, <laughs> but like I, because like good the thing con- this isn't a book podcast. Oh jeez, <laughs> I wouldn't get through one episode. Imagine me reading four books of the day before. <laughs> oh, but, oh, but like, um, apparent, yeah, like the concept of like the evil corporation just being able like to throw infinite players at stuff is like that's pretty neat. That's like a neat way of like having stakes, but having the villain be able to, to pretty pretty thoroughly ignore those stakes. Um, that's like that's really neat. That's like a neat way around that. That doesn't feel like too contrived. It feels pretty normal. Um, yeah. Oh, also, also like the room of people who actually do know this their stuff, and they just yeah. feed them the information through an earpiece. They're <laughs> yeah, like, they're fun. fun. Yeah, that's like I wish there was more of that. Um, it's ah, it's super weird when um when Ty says you killed my mom's sister. And not you killed my aunt. My aunt. Like, yeah. That's that's so weird. Why? It's a clunky script. It's a little clunky, but like, I I I guess because you you want like you want the emotional like pathos of like you killed my mom, but like I guess it isn't there with like you killed you killed my aunt. Um, Yeah. Who could make an emotional thing over someone's aunt dying? Uh, I, I, no way it could be done. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, man. Man, I hope enough people have seen uh, a certain movie blockbuster <laughs> by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> oh, they better have. Oh. Uh-oh. I just... Yeah. Oh, man. But uh, uh, The kiss is weird. Yeah, the kiss is, like, he's, like, strung up in, like, his little... Because in, like, the final sort of climax of the movie, like we've explained, they're sort of having to do, like, a car chase while he's, like, hooked up to the, uh, to the Oasis. Like, sort of, like, like, uh, like, through, like, his, like, wires attached to the roof so he can, like, move fully. Um, yeah, it's, like, VR rig. Yeah. And... I, like, man. If I was a writer or a director... I just wouldn't bother. I would just have it be one of those, like, I would have it be one of those virtual realities where you just, you're literally, like, in a catatonic state when you're in there, and it's all just neurons firing on your brain, or, like, I don't know. It just, it adds such a weird layer of, um, like, of, like, complexity. I guess it's neat for, like, little set pieces, but, like, it gets so confusing when there's, like, people playing in, like, the middle of the street, and then there's like the the touch body suit. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's yeah. 
Yeah, the kiss also, like, when, when they actually do kiss, initially, both of their faces are just covered in shadow. Like, it's not very well lit at all. And then, no. And then it goes into this bit, and that's the bit that does kind of into the clip, where then the rig kind of goes down, and it's like he's levitating. Because yeah. he's connected to wires, which is a <laughs> bit better. That's the a, funny yeah. part is that they just keep getting interrupted by all these people <laughs> who want to talk to him, like lawyers and policemen. Just... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, like Ready Player One. I'm glad I finally got a chance to watch it. Um, like Ready Player Fun. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait till yeah. Ready Player Two. Um, I hear... This is just from YouTube videos I watch, but I hear that the second book is better than the first book, but worse than like the first movie. So maybe if we get a Ready Player Two, hopefully they'll be able like to to slingshot ahead that quality too. Yeah, I wonder about the sequel because also the ending is pretty conclusive, even though it literally is just oh yeah, that, that's the thing. And it was just a voiceover where he it's like oh. People, he's like, yeah, people were kind of happy when we, like, when we eliminated, like, loyalty or banned loyalty centers, but then they were pretty upset when we said we were going to close twice a week. So they do, like, after making a big point of how you kind of need the real world to go to make, like, the fantasy stuff mean something, it does kind of, like, toss it off in the end where it's like, hey, you get one life, and it's just him curled up with Olivia Cook and it cuts the credits. It's like, just, like, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Again, this movie is way better than people give it credit for, but at any point I'm like, well, uh, yeah. it's kind of silly. Just <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think the, uh, I want to say the second book gets into, like, pretty neat commentary on, I think, that very problem. I don't like, think you can say that about a book you haven't read. Just... I've seen YouTube videos about it, and okay, I trust sure. their opinions. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, like Ready Player One, what a fun experience. Uh, didn't watch it when it came out. Um, thought it looked like, like we. I thought I thought the movie was just going to be every other scene being like, oh my gosh. Is that the car from Knight Rider? No way. Oh my god, Chucky's killing all those guys. <laughs> Actually that that scene is really good. Just... Yeah, that scene that scene's like really fun. Like it's it's neat. I, I really I enjoy that quite a bit. That whole like big fight scene. It just yeah, I feel like it um I feel like this movie just needed more scenes in the oasis of like them just doing like talking to people and like seeing what people like do because i saw there's like the dance club and there's like the race but like i don't know i feel like just him like just talking to people would be way cooler <laughs> so you get like a feel yeah. for everybody i was like you just want a video game yeah i just want a video game i just want to join the metaverse <laughs> yeah oh uh, i watched I, i've never seen um i've never seen the social network but I, I always, I, I'm constantly watching that one clip where Andrew Garfield's just screaming at uh, <laughs> at Jesse Eisenberg. It's really funny. Social Network. Uh, one of, my favorite movie of 2010 until I saw Black Swan last year. Uh, but still very, very good. Yeah, I need to give it a watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with that, we can get on to... 
Riverdale. Riverdale. The first of two Riverdale episodes, <laughs> and boy, am I excited! Truly, for... truly, the twilight of the TV saga we are we are in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, in this case, like Cam- Camilla Mendes is involved with both kisses, but like, this is this is the only. It's like different boys each time. Um, you'll you'll see why. I mean, I guess they don't really explain why she and Archie aren't together in season three, but they'll be able to figure it out. It's got other stuff going on, but I, I believe it. I believe it. But yeah, like so, Riverdale. Um, it's is it is it like is there any reason that it needs to be like Archie and Jughead and like Veronica and. Be- Becky? Is that the, the fourth Betty. one? Betty, damn it. I, I don't know my Archie lore. Because, um, like, watching it, it's not like... I don't... It's fun. I enjoyed watching it. But, like, it couldn't it just be any other, like, young adult drama? <laughs> I mean, I guess... look. <laughs> it would be less fun if it wasn't just characters who... Starring comics that are largely just, like, very sanitized, very, oh, he's in a love triangle with these two girls, and Jughead's even the hamburgers. Yeah, it's like, it, this This show feels like the meme of, like, the, the gritty reboot of Mar, uh, Marmaduke. Like, this is what it feels like. Um, and it's still super fun. Um, I, I think I, I think I, this was... This episode in particular, um, something I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed all like the um, the your dead like fantasies that the dad was having in the hospital. Um, those were really fun. Um, Tragically, so I, I, the actor who played the dad died like oh in the no. net, like in the middle of like season three production. So then they actually did have to kill his character off in like the start of season oh no. four. That's awful. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah. Like that makes those scenes so much worse. Yeah, um, but obviously they didn't know that at the time. Yeah, <laughs> I would hope not. Um, but yeah, like yeah, to kind of I guess explain myself. Like this this episode starts off with um, Archie's dad has or it's his dad, right? Yeah, his dad has been like shot in like a. I'm not sure if this was happened in the episode previous. Well, he's been like shot in like um in like the di- in like the the mulk shop or whatever it is, um, and like throughout the episode, he keeps on like having like little fantasies where like it's just everything's normal, and then a character will go like, "You're dead," and then he'll snap out of it. <laughs> um, and those were like, consistently fun. I think those scenes were always lit really cool. Uh, it's just something I picked up on. I really thought it was awesome. Yeah. So Riverdale. Um. Once again, this is something where I have way, way too much background around on this. But yeah. So the Archie franchise obviously has been going since like the fifties. Um, as the town of like Riverdale, and yeah, for the longest time, I think people have that idea through like the dig- digest of you know it's like kind of lame kind of square it's oh it's archie and he's in and he's constantly like can't choose between betty and veronica and 
you know, Jughead's his pal, pal and all, all that. And then, in the thousands, the first thing they did was, the book, when the book hit 600 issues, they did kind of a story where it sort of jumps ahead to the future, and it was basically, at first it was like, Archie marries Veronica, and it's Archie proposes to Veronica, and you see, like, their lives, and they have kids and all this stuff. And then they go back to that moment, and it's Archie marries Betty, and it shows kind of the differences of these two things. And that became kind of a spin-off comic for a few years called Life of Archie, where you'd get two stories per issue, and one was, this is a reality where he marries Veronica, and the other was, this is a reality where he marries Betty. And it's... And so that's kind of the beginning of, oh, can we tell more adult stories with Archie? And then they do... I'm trying to think if Afterlife of Archie comes before or after. That There's a point where they reboot Archie as a concept, and they're like, oh, well, we'll modernize it, we'll make it this. And it's something where it's very much still kind of in that Archie feel where the stakes aren't that that high, but, but basically... Yeah, you know, it's like fresh, it's modern, they have Jughead become asexual, which is something that the TV show never really followed through on, because it was more interesting to have Cole Sprouse in romances, I guess? But, it, but like, it, it's this good comic, and there's a really good bit where Archie's consistent character trait is he's the clumsiest man in town. So, like, all multiple plots are just, like, the townsfolk trying to keep Archie from injuring himself in different situations... Um, and then okay yeah but then around that time they also start doing this horror comic spin-off after life with archie which was oh yeah also the life with archie comic ends with archie getting killed that, that's an important thing too that like saving his friend in both realities like kevin kevin keller who i think he's in this episode a bit but not that much because they never like put that much focus on him, but he's like kind of the recent addition to the Archie canon, where he's like the gay character, and Archie saves like Kevin, who's like running for state senate, uh, senate, from like an assassin, and takes like a bullet, bullet, and that's how that uh, that ended, which was definitely like a new sensation because they're like, wait, they did a story where Archie dies, huh? <laughs> And then Afterlife of Archie is like Archie with zombies, and that becomes wildly popular, but also um, kind of stalls out after eight issues because the guy who was writing it, they pull over to run a little spinoff called Riverdale, which is R Roberto Aguirre Sacasa is his name, and yeah, so, so Riverdale was, I gotta show when it came out that... Yeah, everyone was like, what? what is this? It's Archie, but it's kind of... It's mashed up with all these different kind of tones. The first season was very much inspired by, like, small-town noir. And to answer your question of why does it have to be Archie characters, is because part of the theme is the idea of, oh, it's a town of... The idea of it's the innocuous, like, small town that has, like, evil. And the idea of, like... What 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 does it mean to like be in this place that seems so innocent but has all the stark stuff going on? And what better to represent that than with Archie characters, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
No, so, I, yeah. I, I think oh, I think I feel like I'm a Riverdale expert now. Um, and a mild Archie expert. I didn't know there was so much. I know Archie meets Sorry, Sonic. Ben fans for the amount of this episode is just me explaining stuff oh no i i i honestly i feel like the the context was needed because like i was like watching it i'm like i don't read any archie but there's no way this is what archie is about um i'm glad i know i have a little more context of how it got here um i'm always happy for that yeah and so the first season is largely just like a murder mystery and then it kind of concludes with sort of Archie Archie who for the most part in the first season a common thing was Archie was the least interesting character in a show which is also kind of true in the comics where like he's never that that interesting but the whole thing with season one is when the series starts he is having an affair with his music teacher and they quickly back out of that plot and then it's just kind of him going around developing his passion for music while all his friends are, like, solving murders and, like, confronting their dark family secrets. So, it was always kind of a thing where, you know, they were trying to have just regular teenage stuff going on, and then it didn't mesh well, and then the first, so the end of the first season kind of brings Archie more into, like, the mystery of the show by having, you know, his, his dad get, like, shot, and by the character that then... After the first season of Murder Mystery, the next couple seasons of Archie are largely about them going after various, like, serial killer-type big bad figures. Oh, yeah, his music teacher is the person who gets killed in the last scene. Yeah, like, and it's like, she's having clearly, like, an inappropriate relationship with a student, right? I didn't read that incorrect. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, this this character who um, initially is, like, well, they don't really name him there beyond the idea that he's the angel of death, which also is a funny scene that, like, the show would not do now where they have, like, if the show did this scene in, like, season six, it would be played completely seriously. But here they have where, like, Pop, who, like, runs the chocolate shop, is giving this thing about, he's like, it was like the angel of death had come the, to, like, Riverdale. And then Jughead's like, geez, Pop, lighten up. You sound like the cranky old guy in the Friday the 13th movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're saying now it would be played completely straight. <laughs> yeah, <I've>... like, <laughs> the fifth season of Riverdale has, like, a long thing where Jughead investigates a series of abductions by people called the Mothmen. Like, it's... <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Oh, man. But yeah, um, okay. The kiss. Yeah, it happens early. Was this their first kiss? So there was like a big payoff? Or was this just sort of like a fan-service-y kiss? (laughs) Or both, I guess. It definitely wasn't their first kiss. They were already in a relationship. Um, but but yeah, it is a kiss. Um, yeah, as Ben says, much of it is Archie just kind of, basically Archie and his friends coming to his, trying to figure out how to help him as he deals with his dad being shot. And um, very early on, while he, before he has even, like basically he gets home and he walks the dog and he hasn't really changed out the clothes he was in that have his dad's blood all over him. And then he gets into the shower to finally wash off, and then Veronica joins him 
And that's where the kiss is. Um, yeah, it's like it's a good kiss, it's, but like I, it, it felt like a. This felt like a first, not like a first kiss, like a realistic first kiss. But this, it felt like this, this like, it it felt like there was a lot of significance behind this kiss. But I, I feel like it was, yeah, it felt like just it was just like a, a fan service shower kiss. Yeah, it's that was one of the big big things with Riverdale is it's it's about like hot Archie who fucks and that's that that's like a quote from, yeah. I think AV Club reviews or something that I got that like idea from, and yeah, it it's definitely not really a significant kiss other than like the ridiculousness of he is literally washing off his dad's blood, so like you don't really see blood or anything in it, but like it's it's a steamy shower kiss. <laughs> oh yeah, like and then like the rest of the episode is like them slowly piecing together that like it wasn't like a robbery; it was clear it was some kind of like murder. And then, like, it doesn't really go farther than that. That kind of, like... And then it sort of ends with, like, the uh, the stinger. And then I think Jughead is coming to terms with, like, him possibly, like, following in his father's footsteps. But not in not only the good ways, but the bad ways. Oh, yeah. So he's, that's like, part a of a gang, too. yeah. Like, the, is the so, vipers yeah, the first... or the snakes? I can't remember. The surf, The serpent. The serpents. S- <laughs> that's the one. Who are going to become a major element of the show. Here's the thing about the serpents. In the first season, yeah, they're, like, a gang. They're, like, they're a bunch of toughs. Jughead's dad is, like, the leader. There's, there's something where, like, obviously they care about Jughead, but there's, like, an element of danger to them. And then at the end of the first season where Jughead's dad is arrested for his role, his kind of role in covering up the murder. And then Jug- Jughead, there's the big scene where like, basically the serpents are like, we take care of our own. And then he puts on his jacket and Betty becomes very concerned because he put on a jacket, which they also make fun of. Um, But then very quickly as... Like, I don't want to give away too much about what the status quo is going to be when we cover our next Riverdale episode, but one of the things is the serpents quickly go from, like, just this kind of kind of morally ambiguous, kind of dangerous force, which even in this episode, it's like he relies on them for information, and they beat someone up significantly for no reason. And then... By the third season, they are largely a teenager gang that Jughead is the king of. Um, <laughs> oh man, this like show. it's really him meeting the younger like ser- serpent teens and slowly taking over. And tall boy who is like the big guy with the beard there turns out to be kind of vi- villainous and I think dies a couple times. Like he faces death once and then. Stuff gets nuts. Like, for example, this whole Archie, the Archie plot of this episode ends with his dad is at home, but Archie is unable to rest. So it's him sitting by the door with a baseball bat because basically he's terrified because when his dad got shot, he froze and did nothing. And he yeah. feels like guilty there. So yeah. Also, wait, is his... <laughs> His dad isn't like staying in like the understair understair like Harry Potter closet, right? I 
don't think so. Okay, because like the way, he, sorry, when he, like I, that thought entered my head when I was watching the episode, because like he does have the baseball bat, but he's like he's he kind of looks and is leaning against like the door that like is under the stairs. <laughs> I don't know why, but like I just imagined his dad is sleeping in there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not the case. He makes his dad sleep in the closet. <laughs> like Harry Potter. <laughs> that was, well, that well was... his dad was the boy who lived. <laughs> um, this... oh. But yeah, if you had to guess where that Archie plot leads, where, what do you think might happen? Oh man, um, oh, I, I assume it's the gang that did it. The serpents. Um... Beyond that, I'm trying to think what would be the most natural conclusion from that. It's oh man, is it, would it have been the same person that killed the 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 piano lady? Oh yeah, it's the same person. Okay. Um, uh, um, oh oh, I mean, oh, not like the killer specifically. Like, where do you think Archie's personal plot goes from? Oh, that? um, jeez, oh, what I. I have no clue. There's no way I'm going to be able to guess it. So I feel like it's he not. He starts a vigilante group called the Dark Circle. <laughs> and season four ends with him getting into like a big fist fight with like the. I think it's the serpents. It's like somebody. But like there's. But but yeah, but like he briefly dabbles in the vigilanteism before kind of falling into this other stuff with like Veronica's dad where he's slowly kind of apprenticing under him for a time even though her dad is definitely like a mobster like it's well well a crime boss type but no no actually the black hood the the villain like the black hood turns out to be betty's dad which is a whole other thing like it's mm-hmm. at one point i was gonna play a game with you where i was just gonna come up with like ask you a bunch of questions of riverdale and you had to basically guess what it what had happened what was the lie but it's hard to do because so much happens on this show like uh, somebody also i kind of want you to just wait till next week to see what the tone kind of becomes other than what i've implied in the times i've talked about riverdale in the past um mm-hmm. let me tell you i'm excited for next week's riverdale episode that we're talking about um, <laughs> i cannot wait to see where the show yeah. goes because yeah, cause the first season of this was a show where most people who watched it were like, oh, this was actually a lot better than I expected. And then the th- second season is people going, um, what's happening? As <laughs> it kind of goes more into like gangs and then it takes a, a toll and it's kind of figuring out how to be sustainable as it goes from 13 episodes a year to 22. Mm-hmm. So then season two is kind of like the, the end of it is like a big cultural sensation as more people fall off. But then season three is where it gets really, like, wild. Um, To give you a preview, the big plot involves a Dungeons & Dragons XP called Griffins and Gargoyles. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. And a villain called the Gargoyle King. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that uh, TV shows... Get to be so much stupider than movies sometimes. Yeah, season four famously does a thing where like a lot of the arc is Jughead goes to this private school, but it's there's something sinister going on, 
And famously, it has brings in this guy who's like his teacher and a big character for six episodes. And then an episode ends with him like suddenly jumping out a window. Like, <laughs> can probably like, unless you got anything else to say on Riverdale, can leave it here for now. Yeah, no, it's a decent shower kiss, a little fan servicey, but there's nothing wrong with that all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's. It's a hot show. <laughs> and yeah, from but now we go from the throes of, you know, hot teenage passions to um young preteen love. Or, yeah. Or they might be teens. Some might be around yeah. thirteen. I the stranger thing kids have aged so much since that show has started. It's Um, yeah, and like this is probably gonna be the one where like I have probably like the least to say because, like, I get the feeling that this episode was, like, the build-up and payoff of a lot of things I just have not seen. Um, so, like, there's only, like... Like, I, I... I kind of... Like, I get what happened, but, like, I feel like this was, like, the amalgamation of, like, a lot of... Like, the show... I think it opens with, like, a, a reveal of, like, a character that's been gone for a pretty long time, if I'm understanding correctly, right? Yeah. So, and I had completely forgot this was a thing... But, but yeah, Stranger Things, um, another 80s love letter, like, Netflix show that had, see, season one kind of was, like, you know, it, had, it debuted on the service, and then became, it, it's one of those, like, occasions, like, Tiger King, where all of a sudden, the show that drops with little fanfare, like, for whatever reasons, becomes a big runaway hit, and all those characters are, like, blasted into the, like, just stratosphere, um, so, so, yeah, the idea with, like, Stranger Things is, um, it's about, yeah, this group of kids, they're, like, li- little nerds, and one of them kind of one day gets, like, falls or stolen away into this kind of dimension called the Upside Down by this, like, creature called a Gormagon, and then the first season is about kind of trying to rescue him, but in the context, they run into this girl named... Eleven, who is, she's kind of been experimented on, and she has these psychic abilities. And the first season ends with her seemingly sacrificing herself to save this kid, and they go into the upside side down, but it is quickly revealed that she is alive, and she has been living with the, with this sheriff, with this sheriff character, like, who has been keeping her, like, s- secret, because he, be- Basically, as they kind of tease out, he had had, like, a daughter before who had passed away, and he's sort of been taking this as, like, a second chance, kind of, as much as he's not admitting, but yeah, it's just sort of this protective instincts, and the second season is suddenly the character who was in this Upside Down the first season is kind of possessed by, like, forces from there, and there's these dogs that are going through and the sketchy government and yeah it culminates with Eleven kind of returning to help save the day so if you have not seen Stranger Things it, it's probably it's not going to have the same emotional impact where yeah. I'm Wolfhard <laughs> suddenly like you're back yeah and like yeah and then like this this episode also runs into the problem where like there's like three different stories ish going on there's like the, the kid who's possessed there's like the group of kids that are trying to like 
help Eleven by like setting off some like by lighting a fire somewhere to like I think like to distract something. I didn't super yeah. understand the plan. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to like yeah distract her away. They yeah distract all these creatures mm-hmm. so she has a chance to shut the this gate, which will then yeah. kill the creatures. And then there's like the whole shutting the gate thing as well. Like it, it sort of gets sort of like really split between all of them and like there are like good emotional moments and it's like an hour long so like it definitely i feel like it gives like enough time to each it, it's it is truly something where like i feel like with my episode of empire like jane the virgin even riverdale i feel like i like i had enough i could infer a lot of information going in but like i feel like this one i feel like i've lost the most um out on it by not having like the previous information what you what you could have used context for who that guy was who charged in and like attacked them, and for ten minutes the episode became about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I was like, oh, okay. I assume this is probably a character that's been around. <laughs> yeah, he he's like one of the new, or he was like one of the new characters for that s- season. Um, the oh yeah, that was the thing where like season one, one of the things was the for female. I mean, well, there was female characters like Winona Ryder is obviously like the mom, and and then there's like the kind of the older si- sister character as well, and like Eleven. But it was kind of the idea that oh, you you know they're like well maybe we could use more. So they so they introduce uh Sadie Sink who, from the Fear Street movies that I love and the All Too Well short film Taylor Swift directed. To play this character like Max, who becomes their new kind of female friend. And then her older brother, Billy, is this, like, kind of violent, unpredictable guy who comes in and is sort of there to be a mirror for um, former bully, and by this episode, officially, like, babysitter and ally, Steve, played by (laughs) free free guy inspiration himself, Joe Keery. Just... Um, and I'll say <laughs> again. I remember the Steve like even season two, as I mentioned, is kind of the weaker season. But the Steve stuff is always just good. Like his dynamic with the one kid Dustin, and like the stuff here where he's like the guy trying to stop them from going to save out. It's like no, we can't do this. Just so it's just fun. Like it's uh. a great character. Ah, um, uh. <laughs> no, it's really it, no like and like it wasn't like a not enjoyable experience like it was just fun it was very fun like neat all the acting was really good like i enjoyed every scene um i just like there was clearly stuff i was missing out on like like bring back the like 80s come on (laughs) give us more 80s yeah i was coming right off of ready player one i was i was all all hyped up on it (laughs) i think it was playing like the oh the song at the end um Oh, what's the song at the end? It's a, is it um, True Colors? Or am I mixing um, it up? I, or is it Forever Young? I feel True Colors. It's like the, like the song that The Kiss plays to. That's so. like every breath you take. Oh, that's what it is. I got that confused. Um, that was playing on the radio when I was driving to work today. Like right oh, after. Boy, I, fin- I hope a creepy monster I don't understand <laughs> isn't watching me from like upside down as this happens. Like it's... Yeah. Oh man, yeah, man. I don't know what it is, but like, 
big creatures don't scare me unless they're in water then they really scare me or it's like i don't even know if space i don't even know about count space but like the like uh like the big sort of monolith creatures just like they don't do anything for me unfortunately yeah uh, i'll say this villain they kind of figured it out a bit more when it returns in the third season and kind of possesses that older brother character billy and then so they affect effectively like they they make him like a human so there's a bit more of an impact for like his Matt like his evil and, and such but yeah mind player mind player is not as compe- compelling as their first season gormagon thing um were you glad we got justice for barb <laughs> <laughs> oh, i've been waiting so long <laughs> Had you were you familiar with at least the hashtag of justice for Barb? I have just, not, not even a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So in season one of Stranger Things, like again, it's largely about this this guy Will, who was again the possessed kid, who was who was trapped. But kind of early on, Finn Wolfhard's character's sister has this best friend Barb, who also gets kind of trapped there and killed. But the show doesn't really do much. Like, they barely mention her. It's just kind of like a thing. And kind of on the internet, people got upset. They're like, oh, justice for Barb. Justice for Barb. So a big plot of season two is her investigating the lab that, like, kind of enters the, like, upside down to try and get justice for Barb, who the world just thinks is a runaway. And ultimately, they come up with this thing. But, like, it's a whole subplot. And... (laughs) That, again, I had completely forgotten about until watching this, and it was just going, oh, right, this was a thing. Like, just, which gets <laughs> really into the news story of, oh, the lab is shutting down now. And mm-hmm. They come up with a reasonable explanation of, oh, Barb is poisoned or something. Just Yeah. Also, a fun little note, both this and Jane the Virgin, like, call their episodes chapters. Yeah. Yeah, well, Jane, yeah, Jane the Virgin, that goes to kind of, like, the book thing, and then this, I don't know, they're just like, well, we'll do the chapters. This sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, after all the, like, monster fighting is said and done, it gets to what I think is, like, the strongest part of the episode, this kind of big extended sequence at the dance, where the kiss happens. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's a really nice, it's a really cute, nice kiss. And you get the little things like, again, the whole Max and Lucas little romance that's been simmering throughout the season gets a nice bit there. There's the extended bit with the kid, Lucas, or Dustin, who's just so confident, and all the girls are rejecting him, but Finn Wolfhard's sister dances with him at the end, and yeah, you have Finn Wolfhard finally dancing with Eleven. Yeah. That's really, really sweet. I think by this point they're calling her Jane, right? She does get legally adopted, but Eleven is still kind of what she's referred to a lot, yeah. I believe. So. Yeah. Millie Bobby Brown is also in the Godzilla vs. Kong that I watched a couple days ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That... Yeah. Oh, man. Those movies... I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Those are for somebody... They're for me. I, I like the Godzilla films. I'll, I'll say it. I'll be the brave one. I like, I like King, I like King Kong and Godzilla. I like those guys. 
The movies, though. Ah, man. Godzilla King of the Monsters is one where, like, people are like, oh, I get the people understand say that's bad, but it's a film about, like, forgiveness that yeah. uses Godzilla <laughs> as a metaphor to get there, which is such a stupid idea that it's, like, great. Yeah, I liked King of the Monsters more than Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, but Godzilla vs. Kong is a conspiracy podcast. <laughs> you know what? It does have that. Uh, I These movies look like they're getting stupider, which I feel like they're going to hit a point where I start loving them. Yeah. It's, it's all good stuff, but it is funny how many of the Stranger Things people have taken off. Like, obviously, Millie Bobby Brown and Finn Wolfhard, like, pop up in all this stuff now, and, uh, like, the Sadie Sink is, like, starting to pop off. Like, again, people should watch Fear Street movies, like, Joe Curie, obviously Free Guy. He also did Spree last year, which he is, like, really, really good in, and even the guy who was, like, Billy, the other older brother, was kind of the charming star of this film, like, The Broken Hearts Gallery. Like, really, it's like a film where you you can see why these seasons are taking so long to come out with, because it's like, oh, everyone seems so busy. Also, pandemic, but... Anyways, Stranger Things Season 4 coming out in 2022, five years after this aired. <laughs> oh, they're, they're taking their time with it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it'll be good. Some, some people give Stranger Things like a lot of flack, but I enjoy it. It's a good show. Season 3 is set largely at a mall in the summertime. Okay. That's a good, good thing. And then the season four is supposed to be like a spring break type season, and they're doing haunted house stuff. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, but the kiss. Ultimately, yeah, Finn Wolfhard, Millie Bobby Brown, they kiss, and it is sweet. Um, yeah, it's it's just like a cute little kiss. It's got um, oh, every breath you take playing in the background. Um, it's just very nice. Um yeah, I really, I really like kind of ending prom scenes. They always seem, they always like really cute and nice. Um, even the one and the epi- at the end of that episode of of it's always sunny in Philadelphia, where they all they all get dates with like teenagers. Um, even that one has like a sweet ending at the end, <laughs> where like Charlie Day is just like Charlie Day's like um like his date like finally goes with like the the boy she wanted to go with and he's just like he like sends her off and like he's just standing there like all just smiling by himself <laughs> as um as forever young is playing god uh glad we could talk about it's always sunny in Philadelphia yeah. in the same episode <laughs> oh man but yeah um definitely this year yeah, definitely feeling the TV, the TV part of the TV and movie awards. Um, yeah, oh, this this was these were nice. These were really nice. I've I've yet to have a really bad experience with a TV show. Um, like the closest thing I think is with the is the Stranger Things one, but that's only because like I feel like I'm just missing a lot of context. Like nothing about it is bad. Um, 
But, you know, I've, I've kind of lucked out that all of these have been, like, really, really fun. Yeah. Now, now you'll be the big TV guy. Hey. Um, yeah, I'll say this. As much as it kind of does kill a bit of momentum where suddenly, you know, it's a bit sad where after all these movies, suddenly it's, like, TV-dominated. I do enjoy pretty much all of the TV shows that get nominated and going to, like, enjoy talking about them for the, yeah, next two weeks as well. So. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I guess I, I just wanted to go through my... Also, one thing I really liked, um, and I think Jane the Virgin did this twice, um, is sort of having, like, really cute, like, creative transitions. Um, oh, where is it? Where it's, like... Um, like somebody says like like one of the like the one of the plots like when they're at the bar they'll be like oh just like put me in my grave and then it'll cut to the next scene it'll be showing like the casket that was like a big part of like the um the uh like the the other plot and stuff like that yeah jane's really good at doing that kind of it it reminds me of another show that like does it i like i don't think it i don't think it ever doesn't do this is um is archer I think Archer literally does that with all of its transitions where like a character, a character essentially in the next scene starts, starts um, speaking before the, the actual scene is like cut away. Um, and they essentially are saying the thing that naturally follows from what whatever was being said. Um, whether it be like a pun or like very literal or something like that. And I, I really like that. Like I, I love Archer. So how's this all stack up to each other? Yeah. Um, so in terms of the movies and TV shows, um, if if we had, I feel like if we if like if half, if half of this entire like, like, kiss list like from the very beginning was TV shows, I might have started like splitting them up, um, but. Considering it's only, like, the last four years, I think I'm going to keep them all in, like, the same category and, like, rank them above and below each other. Just sort of on, like, a, a one-grading curve. Um, yeah, look, if TV wants <laughs> to be taken as seriously as movies, it can get rated up against <laughs> Exactly. Um, so, at the bottom, I would probably put the, the Riverdale one. Um, I'm excited for it to get, like, insane. And I appreciated the little things this, this episode did, like the... Like the the dad's like fantasies when he's like in his um in his like in the hospital, um it's just but I feel like a lot of it just sort of felt kind of like generic young adult like drama, um which isn't bad, um it's just like it doesn't super stand out, um and then above that one is Stranger Things, really only because like is I'm I'm essentially like <laughs> I remember um uh. I'm trying to think. I remember. I remember hearing a story of like I don't know if it was my friend or a friend of a friend who like this person watched like the last or sorry the first and the last episode of Breaking Bad <laughs> and just felt like oh no, I got it and that's what I feel like I did. I feel like I watched like a very small sliver of something that clearly had a lot more work put into it. Um, and then above that one. And these top three are really close. I would probably put Jane the Virgin. Um, very fun. Like, very cute. I love the narrator. I love all the characters. They're all super fun. Um, and then, I think for my number one spot, I think I'm going to have to put 
uh, Ready Player One above Love Simon. I just there's just there's so much more to Ready Player One than there is to Love Simon. I think um, it's just like it's there's way more to like like look at and take in and like the concepts are really neat and the and the set pieces. Okay, yeah. So for me, I have Stranger Things too at the bottom. Like as someone who has like seen this before, you know it. It's fine, but also I'm like, alright, oh, th- this is kind of like the weakest season, even if, like, some little beats, like, him, him, like, officially adopting her at the end are, like, really nice, and the kiss is also really nice, and then above that, um, probably Love, Simon, like, again, very charming, just, uh, actually... There is an episode of Riverdale where one of the characters does go to watch Love, Simon, like, in the theater. I remember that was, like, promotion at at the time, probably from this season, but... Yeah, I'm I'm just really on that Riverdale train. It's kind of the logic here. So, as, as enjoyable as Love, Simon is, you know, kind of is a bit slight. Then above that, we got Riverdale, um... I didn't talk about this at the time, but for the first, like, season and a half of Riverdale, I wrote, I used to write, like, these reviews of it, because there was a time where I'm like, oh, yeah, I could do TV criticism, and then, no, I enjoyed it, but I also would write way too much, and it was just too hard to be sustainable, and I looked up what I had for this Riverdale premiere, and it was over 3,000 words long, um, (laughs) <laughs> wow yeah all in like just like kind of f- footnotes footnote type things i guess it was full paragraphs and yeah just go into all this stuff and yeah last week's my level of investment of the show at the time and i think that goes to its quality then above that jane the virgin which really lovely show one of my favorite of the decade and yeah i just kind of love it a lot but to my surprise Ready Player One is taking the top spot. Uh, this was the movie where the first time I watched it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, it's okay, but I don't know. I don't think it's that great. Then I watched it again. I'm like, oh, I like it a lot, even though there is so, a bunch of stuff to critique, as we have shown through our many critiques of it. So, <laughs> yeah, Ready Player One, good, but... How did the kisses yeah. stack up in a in the stacks? <laughs> in a, a Ready Player One joke. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh man. Last. Oh, it's so. I don't know. That's a that movie is very as as ugly as the Oasis is. Um, sometime, uh, the real world is like ugly, but in like a good way. Um, and I feel like it probably would have been even stronger if, like, and and like you said, I think it is completely just a um, just a byproduct of it, just having like sort of like that modern blockbuster like aesthetic. Um, but I think if it was just a little more vibrant, it would have looked really nice. Um, but yeah, so in a shocking twist of events, Ready Player One is at the bottom of my kiss list. Um, just like it's wow, <laughs> it's the first one is the first bit of the kiss is kind of awkward and like the the tilt is fine but like it's you know we're getting too late in the game 
for a for a comedy kiss or a goofy kiss to sort of outshine like a meaningful earnest one like you you need to like really commit to it for it to work um yeah honk a horn while you do it <laughs> put on a clown wig just <laughs> clown kiss exactly <laughs> and then um above that one i would have just the riverdale kiss um it was just it was just kind of uh it was just it was it was cool <laughs> um and then above that one i would have the stranger things kiss um i feel like that was probably also like a pretty i feel like that one was actually probably a really big payoff unlike the riverdale one um it seemed like it was um yeah yeah um and then i think with my number one kiss i think i'm gonna have to just agree with the academy and say that love simon is number one with with jane just slightly below um I, I that honestly like that might even switch around if I if I had if I'd been if I was a big Jane the Virgin fan and like seen everything, um, but just that love Simon one's just really really sweet, um, and it, like you said it's built up too nice it's sort of just the the emotional climax of the whole movie, and it's just it's such a nice little capper to this this sweet little romantic comedy. Yeah, my list is largely similar. Um, Ready Player One at the bottom, just not a very good kiss, as much as I enjoy that movie. And yeah, too late in the game for your comedy kisses. Also, it wasn't even really a comedy kiss. It was just supposed to be like a good kiss and interrupted with a gag. So <laughs> exactly. Go all or nothing, you know? Um, Then above that, Riverdale, like... I love the show. It It's not the strongest kiss. Honestly, I would have nominated the Cole Sprouse and Lily Reinhardt kiss in this episode. Which I think does a better job kind of reflecting their chemistry. Though they're also kind of the two stronger actors. Though, I mean, I like KJ Appa and Camilla Mendez. Like, they're all good. But, ju- but just kind of the chemistry between Betty and Jughead has always been a bit stronger. Um, Then above that, Stranger Things, yeah, it is just a good build-up, it's a good payoff, especially because these characters have been separated from each other for the entire second season, and it's nice seeing these kids get their moment. But the winner, uh, this is where, um, this is like really close, but I'm going to... I guess just have to give the edge here to Jane the Virgin as someone who has seen everything. And um, when I talked to before about how people were all Team Michael and Team Raphael, I was definitely a Team Michael. But the show does a lot of work to like make me be okay with her winding up with like Raphael in the end. And I mean, there's still a lot of obstacles for him, but I just think this kiss is like really good. But I also have the context for it. Though Love Simon comes really close to, and maybe I switch around, but I feel since Ben like nodded to Love Simon, mm-hmm. I can like it with the J. Yeah, fair, fair and balanced. Yeah, yeah except fair and balanced. <laughs> That's the slogan of the podcast. <laughs> Update our new Instagram page. Just fair and balanced. Fair and balanced. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. We're we're almost to the end of our 
of our walk through history. Um, yeah, we got two years left, and then I have this idea. How, well, I've been thinking of how we'll figure out the greatest of all time for that. I'll tell you off mic, but yeah, just a few years of kisses left. Um, hmm. Yeah. Oh, what a what a journey. <laughs> yeah, almost to the end. Uh, so, but before we talk about what's coming up in our kind of penultimate kiss year, recommendation of the week time. Yeah, um, my recommendation of the week, uh, I'm just going to go to my YouTube history because I actually had to look up how to pronounce the name. Um, oh, uh, uh, Gibeon. Um, he's just, he's a, uh, just a singer. Um, you can find him on Spotify. I've just been listening to his music um, and just really enjoying it. It's a simple, clean, throw it on, give it a listen. Uh, Gibeon, that's G-I-B-E-O-N. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. The video that I watched was an incredibly British man um, <laughs> giving me tips on how to pronounce it. Um, so hopefully I got it right. <laughs> cool. Um. Sorry, I was trying to look, or doing, uh, spe- speaking of pronunciations, was trying to look at pronunciations for one of the nominees for next episode, so that was just kind of the pause, but, um, yeah, that's, a, that sounds neat, uh, what do I got this week? Hmm, you should, um... First, stay warm. Um, on we're recording this kind of in like a bit of a cold snap where we are, and gonna recommend just staying warm in circumstances. And uh, then... When they when they hear this though, it's going to be so much warmer. You're gonna overheat our fans. <laughs> it's coming out in January. It's still gonna be cold. Um, you better hope so. <laughs> oh yeah I am going to recommend and this is one that's probably going to require a bit of work for uh, the ca- Canadian listeners I think it's still on Netflix in the States maybe it migrated to Paramount Plus but Jane the Virgin aired alongside another great CW show called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is about this character Character Rebecca Bunch, played by Rachel Bloom, who it is a musical show that with like original songs, and it is about this woman who is essentially a big New York lawyer who has mental health issues and is very unhappy, and she runs into her high school boyfriend from, yeah, from like some, well, not even high school, it's like summer camp boyfriend who lives in or is about to move back to his hometown of West Covina, California, and then, for reasons definitely not connected to her running into this guy and just following him back, she decides to move to West Covina, California, and it kind of follows her adventures there as she sort of figures herself out. It's really funny. Like, it, it, it kind of, like, it's not all just, oh, She's totally in love with this guy and doesn't realize it. Like, there's a very clear arc that builds over, like, four seasons. And 
patterns that play out. Um, a lot of the a lot of the song parodies are really good, and I'll still I'll still listen to like some of them. Like it's it's hard to explain them on on the thing. Like there is one where she is feeling bad about her actions, but and trying to do good stuff to good stuff to like alleviate the guilt that culminates her in to her singing about what a good person she is. Like it's the song called I'm a good person. And as like, she's just crashing around a bar, like causing a scene and being not a very good person. Just it's funnier than I'm making it sound. So yeah, check out crazy ex-girlfriend on your Netflixes, on your Paramount pluses on whatever method you would use to watch that kind of thing. You can also watch Jane the Virgin. Great, great show. Um, yeah, that's what I got. And now we come to the plug section. What do you got to plug, Ben? Yeah, so as always, I have my Twitter that I swear I'm going to spell correctly this time. It is um, at uh, GakGak. That is G-H-A-K. G-H-A-K. Um, and then... Uh, I also have an Instagram, not underscore two underscore pens. Um, by the time this comes out, I probably will already be like way into this, but um, I'm going to be trying to do something special. I guess I can just say it because like it's not spoiling anything. This is going to come out way after I've already started doing it. Um, I'm going to be posting. Going to leak this to the public. Yeah, I'm going to be posting two pictures every day. One is going to be a photo of me in the gym, and the other one is going to be just a drawing I did, or at least a drawing I finished that day. It's pretty much just a way to get me to, like, stick to things I need to be doing, or enjoy doing, uh, but just, like, because I felt like two years ago, or not, a year and 350-some days ago, um, the rat one, um, as much easier it is to get a rat than it is to go to the gym it was like a nice little motivating thing and i don't know it made the year feel a little more a little more complete let me let me keep track of it a little more and it works as like a pseudo diary as well sounds like you're addicted to social media (laughs) exactly i just need validation daily no, that, no, that sounds re- really cool. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited for the year of that. Yeah, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, this is already going to be out, um, but I would go check out, I think on either, I'm gonna either going to do this on the 31st of December or the 1st of January. I have, like, I'm making, like, a little infographic that's going to explain everything, um, and I'm making it very funny, um, so go check that out as well. Cool. Um. You can find me on Twitter at Like a Wolverine. You can find me on Letterbox, also at Like a Wolverine, where I'm sure I'll be into watching 2022 movies at that point. But you can check out my list to see what the best 2021 films were. Or I can just tell you watch West Side Story, the Spielberg version. Director of Ready Player One ties in. Um, then the show. Uh, as of this recording, we now have an Instagram page at Past the Golden Popcorn, but maybe I'll update more than our Twitter page because I use Instagram a bit more than Twitter these days. Um, or maybe it'll also be like a thing, so you can follow us on there, or you can still follow us on Twitter at Gold Popcorn Pod, and you can still email us at Past the Golden Popcorn at gmail.com, 
Our artwork is by Matt Samard, future guest. Not that he knows this, but I'm going to spring Not it on him. The that artwork, the theme song. You said artwork. <laughs> I, I was even just thinking, like, make sure I don't mix them up. I really got to stop crediting one of you. Probably. Should probably, you know. I mean, you're on the show every week, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I should keep crediting you. Yeah, exactly. No one needs to know who does our theme song. Exactly. That's not a problem. No, we're paying our... him an exposure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have any other platforms. <laughs> this is it for him. <laughs> Our theme song is by Matt Samard. He'll be on the show. He doesn't know this, but I'm going to tell him, like, tomorrow. He, he'll be on in a few weeks. For, I'm not, oh, I won't spoil it then. Um, or maybe I already said it. He'll be on for Best Sandwich when we cover <laughs> Best Sandwich. <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> I realize he could say no, but I'm going to make him say yes. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> ben does our artwork and then yeah we're on friendly mush there's some fun podcasts there and all that's left to do is to do next week so um ben i'm just gonna pause for a couple of seconds while i watch this video again to try and really get this one name down yeah no fair enough so uh, i think i know which one it uh, is remember for editing dead air, yeah. dead air. oh kenny it's pronounced Tom Hardy. All right. I think the N is silent. Or it's shooty? It's, well, uh, I'll, I'll look it up again. All right. L- listener, we probably didn't keep this pause in, in the thing. So. so for 2019, the nominees are Jason Momoa and Amber Heard, Aquaman, Charles Melton and, Cam- and Camila Mendez, Riverdale. Cutie uh, N- uh, Gatwa and Connor Swindell's Sex Education. I'm going to really get that name down for like next week. Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams. Venom! And the winner. Noah Centineo and Lana Condor into All the Boys I've Loved Before. Yeah. Uh, it looks like, looks like movies are back to the uh, majority in this week. <laughs> Yeah, the return of the movie. Ret- it's all the superhero <laughs> stuff. And... Aquaman and Venom, the two most iconic superhero movies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, yeah, until next, like, keep passing that golden popcorn, and, you know, until next time, real world... I should have looked up what that last line is. <laughs> the real world's nice. Take a look for a while. <laughs> you do your best guess of what that final line yeah. of Claire was. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> okay, then do something else. Uh, Just thought it would be fun to do something together. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, was, yeah, it's like... It, it does sound... I know he says mostly something like, do your best. It's It's nice out. Uh, <laughs> I was going to end with, um, you know, like, uh, just remember that there are, there are stranger things than Riverdale. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That also just feels like a title title. Oh, that is a good title. I'm going to cut this out because I'm going to use that for the title. <laughs>
Yeah. Just remember, it's a nice world. Spend more time listening to the podcast. Yeah, it's a nice world. Smile a while. <laughs> Bye. Really thought I'd have looked at the <laughs> Goodbye. <Bye. laughs>